Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this special edition of the Build Your Network podcast. Today is really bittersweet, honestly, for me. It's it's weird for me to be at this point, but so we're, we're working on a lot of things behind the scenes, and this is going to be our final episode of the Build Your Network podcast. So I wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit interesting, and bring my producer Eric on to kind of just talk through a little bit of the journey. And I, you know, first off, for those of you who have been joining me, you know, whether it's from day one on episode zero or through the 700 episodes we've produced for the show, man, I just gotta, I gotta say thank you so much for, for giving me the time of day because there's so many podcasts out there and you could take the time to listen to any of those other ones, but you chose to listen to this one. And, uh, man, there's, I, I, I owe you guys all so much because four or five years ago, I was just some door-to-door sales guy that was listening to podcasts myself and wanted to be a part of this world somehow. And I just honestly had no idea how to do it and uh, started the podcast and, you know, it was a struggle to get up and running at first. And, uh, you know, the lot of, a, a lot fewer listeners back in the day. 
but thanks to everybody that listens to the show and you know the the perseverance that we had we were able to push through a lot of those parts and get to the point where we we're able to help a lot of people and now we're coming up on uh 700 episodes two million downloads and over you know over 150 countries around the world that has down that have been downloaded uh, that have downloaded the podcast and uh man I'm, I'm just super grateful super grateful to be here and actually recording this episode yeah for sure like you said it was a it was a struggle getting started um and one of the things you're always pushing is just get started like start doing your podcast start start doing whatever that thing is, yeah. even though you're not going to be perfect right out of the gate. So talk a little bit about just like the early days of the podcast. The setting looked a lot different than what we're in now. What did that look like early on? Yeah, bro, it's funny. I saw the picture somewhere. Uh, maybe we can throw it up on on this video clip somewhere. But the first ever studio that I had at, at the time, we were in between living situations. So my wife, Jackie's dad had just passed away in January of 2017 and we were living up in Fresno. We didn't really have much of a support group up in Fresno. And so when her dad passed, we were basically just like, why don't we just move kind of back home to, you know, Lancaster Palmdale, which is Southern California and Fresno's in Central California. So that's what we did. We, we, we had just bought a house up in Fresno. We decided to leave that house. We rented it out and, um, and then we moved down to Lancaster, but the house that we're moving into wasn't ready for us to move into it yet. And so, uh, it, it, it happened to be that my childhood home, the house that I grew up in. So we were going to rent it from my parents that still own the property. And growing up, they had built a guest house in the backyard. We had two acres of property. They, they, there was a, a guest house in the backyard that they had built for my grandparents at the time. And so my, one of my best friends from growing up was literally living in that back house at the time it was a one bedroom, 850 square foot guest house. And he was renting it out at the time because it was a really affordable place to rent and it's still your own place, you know? So he was stoked to be there. And, uh, the, the main house was still being rented by the previous tenant. So we basically took all of our crap that we brought with us from Fresno and moved it into the garage of my buddy's place in the backyard. And then we lived with him for like five weeks waiting for the tenant in the front house to get out so we could move all of our stuff back into that house. And that was where I recorded my first few episodes of the podcast. I remember there wasn't a strong enough Wi-Fi connection out there. We, we were on satellite internet. And so uh, I was doing podcast coaching with my mentor, Jeff Brown, at the time. I had to drive into town to go to Starbucks to sit and get on Wi-Fi to, get on, to have a stable enough connection on Zoom so that I could learn how to start the podcast. And then I would go back home and I would, I, I would go into the closet because it was, you know, they built it from scratch. And so the closet that they built was almost like a room. Like it was a pretty big closet, especially for that size of a house. And so- I went to the closet, I flipped a, a clothes hamper upside down, I set my laptop on the clothes hamper, and then I put my little $60 USB mic that I bought on top of my laptop because there was no room around the laptop. So I was literally sitting on my keys on my keyboard and I hit record, and it was the first episode that I ever recorded. And uh, it was horrible. <laughs> I tried to produce the first episode, bro. It took me like an hour and a half or two hours to try to edit the, the whole thing. And that's when I officially gave up on editing. And I was like, I just need to hire somebody because this is going to take me forever and it's going to stop me from taking action to your point. So yeah, man, I, I just got started. And now we're sitting here in this studio that we've been able to, you know, to build out through profits that we've made off of the show and, and you know, have this cool neon sign and this cool backdrop and some, you know, green screens, different papers and things like this up here, some lighting cameras and you know, actual professional microphones and a mixer and all these other things that we've been able to, that been able to do with, with the show. But yeah, to your point, man, that you just got to get started and you, you don't really know, 
you know, at, at the time I didn't know where it was going to go or how it was going to go or, or how quickly or how slowly. All I knew is that I, that I wanted the end goal enough that I should probably take action in this direction at some point. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's what, what, we, what we did. Back well, then. well, there's very few people that jump into something like a podcast and don't feel like they're in over their head, you know, where they're, you're, yeah. you're getting started. You don't know how the audio works. You're like trying to figure it out for the first time. When's the first time with a guest where you really felt like super out of your comfort zone? Like, I can't believe I'm sitting here right now. I'm not qualified to be here. Yeah. Almost every guest of notoriety at the beginning, like I think the first one that I did was John Lee Dumas because mm. I literally paid him, you know, I, I paid to do a mastermind at his house in Puerto Rico. So while I was there, I was like, you know, it was a pretty good opportunity to ask this guy to come on my show. And so he said, yes. And, uh, we did that interview and I was pretty nervous for that one. And then I took that, you know, the one big name that I had on my show and I leveraged it into a couple other ones. And so I remember being pretty nervous for the first Patrick Bed David interview that yeah. I did. Um, and then Ryan Steumann was one of the first ones. Cause I remember reading his blog, hardcore closer blog when I was still knocking doors back in the day. So I knew of him because of that. So I was a little nervous for that one. I was nervous to interview Dr. Ivan Meisner, who was the head of BNI and then Patrick Bed David for sure. Those were all pretty nerve wracking interviews. And I heard the patch, but David one did not go the way I wanted it to go. Like no. I had reached out to him probably too early and I, you know, I was, I was just an ambitious guy. And so I just reached out and hoped that it was going to go well. And I knew that he was just on entrepreneurs on fire. So I knew that he knew John Lee Dumas and I knew if I name dropped him as well as one or two other people that I knew Patrick knew, uh, because I was connected to some people that were in his company, like the top earner in his insurance company at the time, uh, was a good friend of mine, George Palaio. And so I dropped his name and then I dropped John Lee Dumas's name and I asked him to come on the show and he said, yes. Um, the problem was I wasn't a strong enough interviewer at the time to control the situation. And so, like I said, we were out on that satellite internet out there. And so we had these little, um, Verizon jet packs that we bought that were better. That was a better internet connection than the satellite internet. And I was connected to that, but I had never run video on it before. I was doing audio only podcasts. So when Patrick, because he was doing a YouTube channel, he was used to being on video. He jumped on the interview and he was on video. And I, again, wasn't a strong enough or professional enough host to just be like, Hey man, we actually don't record video on this just because, you know, we don't, we want to make sure the audio quality is really good. Our connection out here isn't that great. So I didn't say any of that. I just kept moving forward with the interview for the whole time during that interview, there was a delay in my own audio, not in his audio, in my own audio. So when I would say something, I would hear myself say it in my headphones like a half a second after I would say it. And it was so distracting. And, and if you watch the video, I probably still have it somewhere. You watch me at some point, like take one of the earphones off of my ear and like set it on my head so that I could hear myself saying it in real time and try to ignore the other ear. But I couldn't take them off completely because that was the only way I could hear what Patrick was saying. It was just a debacle of an interview uh, the way that I remember it. And, you know, he might not remember it that horribly. Um, I'm sure he's had some worse ones, you know, because I was de at least decently prepared from a question asking standpoint. But I remember actually apologizing to him in a message afterwards saying, like, I, I you know, I, I should have been more prepared. I'm sorry. He ended up giving me a second chance later and been in communication kind of ever since. But I was able to do the second one in person live at his studio out in Dallas that he had just built at the time. So, you know, I, I was able to kind of make up for it on that one. But uh, but yeah, I was, I was nervous for some of those early ones and some of them did not go very well at all. Was there a point you felt like you kind of slipped into being comfortable, you know, cause, cause I mean, obviously yeah, in the beginning, everybody is intimidating everything, the setting and all that, but there comes a point too, where you get that confidence that, that yeah. kind of comes in, not, not arrogance, but confidence in, you know, I've been doing this long enough yep. or I've interviewed enough names. Can you remember when that shift kind of happened for you? 
you know, probably a couple of months after that, cause I was doing three interviews a week back then. And so sometimes I would do, you know, I'd batch all my interviews. So I would do like nine interviews in a single week. And by that point I was really starting to get the hang of things. And I kind of started abandoning my, you know, rigid notes that I had. Cause yeah. at the beginning, you know, I was following what John Lee Dumas did and John Lee Dumas had six set questions that he asked every single guest. So I was like, oh, I'll just do the same thing, but I'll do 15 cause I'm trying to have longer form interviews than just 15 minutes or 20 minutes like John's were. But I did not like that format at all. And it took me a couple dozen episodes to realize that this was not a good format for me and that I needed to be a little bit more conversational and that I needed to prepare and ask questions in a different way and that the questions shouldn't be the same every time. And that's when we started adjusting everything and moving around. And then once I was able to do that a few times, I think that my my confidence level started to to raise a little bit because because at that point, you know, even if I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be, I knew that I could still carry a good conversation with somebody regardless. Um, but then that nervousness kind of feeling came back when I started doing some more in-person interviews, because at that point it was kind of a whole different dynamic. I'm sitting there in person, you know, do you look up, do you not look up? Where do your hands go? You know, there's just so many other things to being on camera that I didn't even think about when I was doing audio only interviews, uh, which is honestly a positive, I think, because I, I was able to focus purely on the question asking in the interviews when I first started, instead of worrying about how I looked on camera. But then I also had to, you know, get used to being on camera, which, which was not easy at first either. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So when you look back now over 700 episodes, you know, you've obviously gotten a lot more comfortable in front of a microphone. You're not running off of jetpacks in a closet, you know. Um, when, you, when you look over that catalog, all these incredible guests, John Maxwell, Grant Cardone, the list goes on and on and on. What are maybe one or two of the highlights that stand out where you say like that was a pivotal moment, not, not just career wise, but just for you personally, you know, looking back at some of these interviews. 
Yeah, the, the Grant Cardone one was a big one for me, mainly not even just because it was Grant Cardone. It just was, it was like the first dollar that I made online. You know, it was just proving to me that I, like, I can do this. I, I just have to figure out a way to make it happen. You know, there's so many people that wanted to interview Grant and today that still want to interview Grant. Yeah. And they get stopped by so many things. There's gatekeepers and there's, you know, restraints on his time. And there's just a plethora of other things that he could be doing to make, to make it not possible for him. But I was still able to fly out to Miami and get an hour long interview with him that he published on his YouTube channel. It's still there to this day and on his Instagram and, uh, and, and allowed me to kind of at least make a little bit of a difference. And he told me several times throughout the interview that it was one of the best interviews that he's done and that, that I, you know, I was clearly prepared and knew what I was talking about. You could tell that he respected that. But for me, the biggest thing that came out of that was just like, man, I, like a year and a half ago, I was driving around in my car listening to Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, Grant Cardone. And a lot of it at the time, cause I was doing door to door sales. A lot of it was Grant, you know, I was listening to his books and his audios, his audio books and listening to his podcast. And, uh, and I, he, he had made a significant impact in my life at that point, And I wanted, I wanted to meet the guy and, you know, you always have those things where these people have an impact on your life and you, and you want to go meet them, but you have no idea how to make it happen. Mm. And even if you did know how to make it happen, you wouldn't know what to say if you got to that position. So it was finally with the podcast, it was like, man, I have an excuse to talk to him. I have an excuse to ask all the questions that I want to ask. I have an excuse to get basically a free private mentorship session from this guy. And, uh, and now I just have to figure out how to get in front of him. And is that possible? And, uh, so, you know, being able to do that and making it happen and figuring out that it was possible for me after probably seven or eight months of trying, you know, it wasn't like the first time I reached out, it was a yes. It was multiple, multiple months of this big long-term like chess strategy of yeah. like, if I get that person, it might be a better chance for him to say yes. If I get this person, it might be a better chance to say yes. And is moving these chess pieces and then being able to actually get to the finish line and say checkmate and actually make the goal happen. You know, that was, uh, it's just another, you know, it, it was one of those notches in your confidence belt of like, wow, if you really just put your mind to something, stick to the long game, do the right things, treat people the right way and, you know, keep that goal in mind, then you can accomplish a lot more things than you think that you can. And it was one of those big moments for me for sure was, was that interview with Grant. And that led to a lot of other successes, you know, booking people that I had originally thought were out of the scope of being able to get on my show. Like Molly Bloom was another one of those, you know, I was sitting down in the movie theater watching Molly's game on the big screen. And after it was over, I was like, man, that'd be so awesome to interview Molly. But my immediate thought was just, that's impossible. I have zero connections to her. I have zero idea how to get a hold yeah. of her. Like I, like she's this basically famous person that they just made a move like Aaron Sorkin made a movie about her. Like this is some podunk director entering it in some film festival overseas. Like this is Aaron Sorkin, like one of the most prolific award-winning writers of our time who literally wrote and had his directorial debut with this movie. And like, I'm thinking that I'm going to be able to get a hold of her. I'm just some random podcaster. I've been podcasting for like five months, you know, but eight, nine months later, we connected on a first podcast interview. And since then connected multiple, multiple times since then. And now if I text her right now, she would text me back because she's an actual friend. You know, like those are the things that I'm just, I look back on and just like, man, it's proving the model. It's like it, it, every time, every time that, that we were able to move forward and have progress on one of those, it was like, man, this is, this is possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we can continue to do this. Yeah. Well, that, that's something that's come up time and time again through, just seeing behind the scenes and even in the content you're putting out, you're always talking about, you know, there's these people we view as inaccessible, completely inaccessible. You talked about staying in the car, listening to Gary Vee, like I'd love to be able to sit down and talk to him. or I'd love to be able to sit down and talk with Grant Cardone 
and all these different people. And, you know, build your network is essentially 700 episodes of you access, you know, accessing my theory. those people, yeah, you know? Right. So going from that point, I mean, obviously, you know, the question on everybody's mind, I would assume is what now, like what's going on, build your network's going away. It's this amazing thing. All these incredible names have, have been added. There's, you know, obviously there's hundreds more that would be great to talk to. Where's the direction now with Travis Chapel? Like what's the next step? What are you trying to accomplish? And is it staying in that same vein of trying to expand that network? I'm a podcaster at the end of the day. And when we kind of made the decision to shut down Build Your Network, it was never for the sake of never podcasting again. It was just, I, I wanted to keep it going, but I also had this new idea for a show that would allow us to be able to kind of start venturing outside of the entrepreneurship space. And if you've been following the show for a while, you probably have seen that we haven't just been interviewing entrepreneurs or business owners, um, especially a lot lately. We've been bringing on some athletes and bringing on you know, some news anchors and, and bringing on different people that we wouldn't normally have interviewed, you know, when we first started the show. And so, so now with the nature of my new software company, Guestio, and some of the things that we're working on, it just makes sense for us to kind of broaden the scope that the, the audience of people that can tune into the show rather than just pigeonholing to networking for entrepreneurs. Um, and it allows us to talk to a lot broader scope of people. And so at the end of the day, I wanted to keep building network going just because it's, you know, my baby that has literally, it has literally changed my life, bro. And I kind of, almost get emotional talking about it because I have no idea where, where I would be or what I'd be doing if I didn't start a podcast four years ago. You know, I'd probably still be trying to figure out some way to make extra money doing door-to-door -door sales or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so it, it means a lot to me and I wanted to keep the brand going, but at the end of the day, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to do it justice if I kept it going alongside of the new thing that I'm doing, especially with the software company and some of the consulting and stuff that I'm asked, being asked to do now. And now I have two kids, which I didn't have when I started the show and, you know, different things like that. So we're basically keeping everything here. So if you're subscribed to the show, remain subscribed to the show because this is where all the new content is going to be going. And to answer your question, yes, we, we do want to keep it, you know, uh, a network and interview uh, focused and, and based. And so uh, we're basically rebranding the show to be called the Travis Interviews Show. And so think about it in every episode, it'll just be Travis interviews blank, Travis interviews blank, Travis interviews blank. And so it'll be a show basically making it about the people that I'm interviewing, but the conversations, cause we'll only be doing one interview a week instead of three or four, or sometimes like we've been doing, you know, four or five, six interviews. Um, we're only doing one interview a week. So the conversations will be able to be a little bit of a deeper dive, um, a little bit more in depth. Uh, we're going to try to do a little bit more stuff over on YouTube, uh, make some more visually interesting pieces of content uh, that we'll do really well over on YouTube or Instagram and some of these other content channels. Um, and then, and then we're, and then we'll have one solo show a week called Travis reacts where it'll just be, you know, me and, you know, sometimes you, um, sitting down and, and talking through things that have been happening in the creator economy or in the business world or in, you know, the broader world in general and things that we kind of want to, uh, you know, comment on and cover and, and give our perspective or commentary on. Um, so we'll have Travis interviews, Travis reacts. And so our episode count will be a lot smaller, uh, but they will be a lot more pointed and, uh, and it'll all still be here on the same content channel. So if you're listening to this, like, don't, don't go anywhere. Okay. We're going to be putting out some of the best content I think that we've ever been able to create, um, here in the next couple of years. So stay tuned because I, I, I genuinely think this is going to be, um, some of the best stuff that we that we're able to put out that's coming out soon. So just to kind of close this episode out, I guess I, I feel like I just want to keep it going for a long time because it's sad that it's the last one. 
But to, to close this out and in an effort to get you all moving along to the next part of your day, all I would ask is this. If you're listening to this right now and you've ever listened to an episode of Build Your Network in the past, please make a quick post on social media. I, I would The, the uh, podcasting is great for a lot of things. One of the things it's not great with is the feedback from the audience. You know, YouTube, you have comments. Facebook, you have comments. Instagram, you have comments. It's one of the only platforms. You don't really get to see in real time what people are thinking about the stuff you're putting out. So if you've been listening to Build Your Network for any length of time and we've ever put out something that you enjoyed listening to or got some information or, or knowledge on, uh, I would love to see a post on Instagram, tag me in that, uh, or on Twitter, tag me over there, uh, Facebook, whatever, whatever social platform is your choice. I'd love to see just, you know, screenshot this episode, upload to your Instagram story or to your Instagram feed or LinkedIn or whatever, tag me in it because I really want to see it and I really want to read you know, some of the things that we've talked about, maybe some takeaways, maybe a memory, maybe, you know, a guest that impacted you in some sort of a way, just would love to hear from you guys on, on, uh, you know, some of the things that you've been able to take away from, from the last four plus years and almost 700 episodes of the show. So thank you all so much again for tuning in. And for the last time you have been listening to the build your network podcast that's it for this episode if you want to connect with travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free facebook group podcast to profit travis will see you there and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.